PC. Cool. We're live. Um, yeah, like I found it because like I was into magic pretty heavily there for a while. And um, I would watch Star City Games events. And that's how I came into it, right? Because like every Saturday, Sunday, you would like tune in and they'd have like a rotation. It would be like standard modern I never really got into because I felt like it was going to be expensive but they would have like their rotations and their tournaments and they had really funny commentators too right right and so like I would sit and they they had a setup where it was like camera down and you would watch the tournaments pan out and I thought it was super cool but yeah that's how I kind of came across it and then I found like the whole video gaming community through it and all that stuff and I've kind of been a gamer my whole life um but what we were talking about before we started um where you said kind of like the commitment of like drawing every day like i think jason's attempted it yeah where he has a twitch channel or whatever but i i don't know how i just do random searches or like through friends or whatever and i found there's this girl in bc and her twitch login skyhook hmm. and um like she does like you said she tune like you tune in every night she starts with a blank canvas sometimes it's digital sometimes it's oil painting and it's super cool to kind of like see like because I remember, like, as a kid, there was Bob Ross on, like, PBS, right? right and you yeah. would, like, tune in and watch him paint trees or whatever. And that, But now it's, like, super cool because, like, you get to kind of pick and choose what medium. Like you said, the channel you were watching, like, what they feel like doing every night is what they do. And it's super cool. And it's, like, a you can make a lot of money on it, too, right? So, mm-hmm. And you get a good, like, fan base, that's for sure, if you're consistent enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know the Vancouver girl, it's, like, hundreds of people. Mm. And that's pretty cool to like, you have a hundred people kind of tuning in and watching you. It's almost like TVs. Like, I don't, I got a cable box with this apartment. I haven't hooked it up. Yeah. Like. Exactly. The internet's kind of taking it over. Oh yeah. And with all the YouTube content as well, like more tailored to like smaller segments kind of compared to Twitch, which can be like a longer drawn out thing. But it's, I like Twitch because you can kind of put it on in the background if you're doing things and it's, it's a lot more meditative at times i, I just gotta turn my foot there we go um yeah and it's like after i gave up on magic um i started playing blizzard's game hearthstone mm. and i just like it because it's on my phone it's on my computer i can take it anywhere and play a game when i want because it's just i'm busy when i'm a dad right and um so i started watching the content for that but then all of a sudden like you said i'd put like it's weird. I'd be watching streamers, but then I'd be playing myself at the same time and kind of like multitasking. And right. Like yeah. You, I would originally watch them to kind of like learn how to get better. And that's half the reason I watched like a lot of the Star City game stuff for Magic, right? You learn what plays are right and what plays are wrong. Right. Yeah, and it's cool because they premiere a lot of the standard stuff before any other like content, basically, like in, in live tournaments, right? So like for the Pro Tour, months before it, they're doing their GPs and Star City games or whatever and it's nice to see the new standard cards yeah played like that I like them yeah because they're on a week like right away it's like boom they have events going and what is yeah. there like four major magic events a year kind of yeah and so like you kind of see the new decks like right away like maybe not some of the pro tour ones because maybe some of those guys are holding out on some of their decks but you see some like speculative decks at least yeah the Star City tour like it's had some notable names in it like I know Brad Nelson was a huge part of it for a long time I don't know if you know a lot of the names or I know quite a few like maybe not I don't follow it as much now as I used to but I I was I went through a good stint where I followed it quite heavily yeah like I think I jumped on board somewhere at the end of Ravnica and like M15 Mm. and um what was after that Theros block and then it went into the the cons block which I loved right like Mm. that was the three color block and it was super fun and yeah like it's 
neat to kind of like how people have become celebrities now right like and star city games it was neat to kind of just watch like the pros and they would interview them and they would explain why their deck is a certain way and like because like i didn't understand like what i was doing right i think i showed up to my first event and like Chris and Lorena were good too for like lending me cards and stuff. And I, what the heck were the slivers? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are good. And like being a total noob, you're like, oh, these have synergy. They're they must just be awesome, right? So I showed up, and it's like you owe five, right? And like in the last round, you end up playing against like Merv, who's also there with the only other fun deck, right? <laughs> yeah. And the, I, if I remember correctly, those were quite controversial with their like art design because the previous ones were a lot um, less humanoid. Yeah. And the new ones kind of almost look like um, alien versus predator type creatures, right? They looked very Geiger-esque. Yeah, and I, and I actually liked the new ones, but I didn't know of the old ones at the time, so it was kind of new to me as, as well, like coming into it fresh. And so, I don't know, I thought the designs were quite neat. And that's, yeah, like I'm amazed that, well, you also work for Fantasy Flight, right? So like... Right. I have no idea, like, the time frame that you have to, like, pump out stuff. Because how many magic cards are in a set? Hundreds, right? Right. And it's, like, they recycle the odd thing. But even something like Thoughtseize, they brought new art into it in Theros. Mm. And that was also another, I think, a complaint. Because they had all new artwork for it instead of that pixie that was in the original print. But, like, just to pump out that much artwork. Like, I don't know. Like, because I'm assuming you have to, like design the card put it through its play testing and then request art like because mm-hmm. you do the star wars game right like i don't yeah. like i, I th- don't so i think in terms of scheduling the art it's pretty similar like you get um with games like that you get let's say like two months in advance and and they tell you the schedule and then they give you sort of like um a request like how many pieces do you think you can hit in that deadline comfortably and then you kind of say what you want and they give you what they can at least like because they might not have that many to give you okay but they kind of it's just get a feel for how much you're willing to take and how much they're able to give you and so that i think that happens with magic as well so it's a pretty good system because like if you if you're a freelance artist and you have a lot of time then you could do as much as you can or how much they they will give you and so i guess as many hours as you're willing per day per week to put into it right like the thing with magic though is like they have such a high standard so you don't really don't want to like overshoot it because you have to make sure they're all quality because if i think if you kind of really screw up they might not hire you again because there's there's such a high caliber art style well i mean they probably will hire you back again there's like there's I think there's pieces that they terminate here and there, but that's like worst case scenario. Um, might not see print, and they they also have I think like a sort of I don't know what you call it, but like a slush of artwork that hasn't been used. Sometimes they'll even hire artists I think to um, just do generic pieces. So that if something for something like goblins, right? Like yeah, I could so, see that being a so that like they can kind of like just slide that piece in in an emergency, or maybe they'll find a how that piece will work later on in a different set or something like that. Yeah. Maybe not something for, like, so so specific as, like, Theros, where it has, like, a really cohesive look, but a core set or something like that. Yeah. Can easily fit kind of the slush pieces. How did you find your way into getting work with some... Like, because to me, Fantasy Flight, that's, like, a big deal, right? So, like, mm-hmm. how, like, how did you work your way up to getting, like, noticed by them and... Right, so... um Right out of college, I was kind of doing some mobile game stuff, but some of my friends introduced me to this convention called the LuxCon, and that's in Pennsylvania. And it's, 
I didn't really know what it was at the time. Like, I kind of did a little bit of research, but I was just like, yeah, I'm in. Because I saw some of the guests, and they were, like, high-caliber, all, like, oil painters. Not many digital artists, but they were all the fantasy artists, like, going back to the early days of D&D all the way to Magic Now and book covers and whatnot. So um, they also hosted, like, a portfolio review session with an art director of your choice. So I kind of went multiple years and kind of tried out the different art directors. The first year I went and I saw the um, art director from Naughty Dog and uh, he was he gave me some great advice but he was kind of like the more technical like this is what you need to do to like make your stuff more realistic because like Naughty Dog portfolios like the stuff to get actually into a Naughty Dog job is like you have to be like photorealistic environments and characters and stuff like that and that's not really quite so not as cartoony or fantasy yeah so but although he he that artist uh, Rob Rupel had come from like a fantasy background he's very well diverse like he's done like animation backgrounds like he's done everything so it was I got some great feedback from him then I went home next year came back I think was when I met Zoe Robinson from Fantasy Flight and uh, I had just finished this um, tree painting that I had um, created just sort of from abstract shapes I saw these designs in it um, it's you might be familiar with the piece it's like a giant red tree with these skulls sort of like abstractly painted in the okay. in the leaves um, and it was a really striking image and that was what I got hired based on even though I hadn't really since then I didn't really do too many landscapes I kind of fell into doing more of the Star Wars stuff so I got kind of shifted away from yeah. fantasy a little bit um, and that, that was fun like in some aspects because I got to do a lot of the aliens uh, like Jabba the Hutt and like that was one of my favorite pieces for Star Wars to do um, I see you post some pictures every once in a while like at the last one I noticed you had drawn like a really cool blaster or something right for the card game so right yeah so so certain pieces like that um, I was trying to it's you kind of want to avoid being a jack of all trades like it's nice to do that like early on because you get more jobs um, and you kind of find and you challenge yourself and you kind of have to come up with those solutions um but now i'm at the phase where i want to focus in a little bit more and uh i I think i got a little pigeonholed into doing like ships and guns at a certain point where like i did a few good ones if you do a couple good ones then they want more of those so i kind (laughs) of tried to um tone down on them and kind of like let them know that i was interested in other things and kind of shift around but every so often like Honestly, there's more technology in Star Wars than there is, like, beasts and creatures and stuff like that, it seems. so. Do you get to be a little bit creative with it since it's kind of like... It is fantasy still, right? Like, it's sci-fi. Yeah. so It is more fantasy than sci-fi, right? It has kind of the, like, veneer of space, right? But it's it's not really like a... I don't know. Like a hardcore science fiction like commentary on something right and i think one of his original selling points in like the 70s is he said it was like i think the jedi he coined is like space wizards right or Mm. so yeah there is a lot more like mysticism and kind of unknown about it as opposed to like i think like a star trek would be a more like technical kind of show or the expanse is a huge one that my friends are into now right exactly yeah those are more sci-fi yeah um so that's kind of funny so like if you excelled at ships they would just kind of be like here keep drawing these like essentially yeah and i mean some like they have a lot of games like based on star wars like you know they have like the x-wing the imperial assault and like the card game like two card games at least 
because um, they shifted from the Star Wars card game to that was just the name of it, and then to the Destiny version, which is um, Star Wars Destiny card and dice game. Yeah. So, but um, my point being that um, if you were to get an X-wing job, it, you're most likely going to be painting a ship or a missile or maybe a pilot. So it's it's very limited. Like when if I got like that inkling of that kind of job coming in, I knew kind of what I was getting into taking it. Um, so I like essentially like eventually I was getting more of the destiny stuff because I was wanting to do more of the aliens. So I got like Maz Kanata. That was a lot of fun. But, are are they open yeah. to you saying like I've had a good time being the Star Wars guy? Can I move over to one of your other properties? Actually, yeah. Um, so. Um, my first pieces that I did for Fantasy Flight were uh, Lord of the Rings, and those were fun. I wish I got more of those, but I think Star Wars was their bigger game, so they kept doing more and more of that, so I kind of got shifted into that. And then I requested for um, Game of Thrones, and they weren't quite sure if I could handle it, so I did a kind of I, sh- I did kind of like a test piece. Like they just gave me one piece, and it was a guy throwing um, coins into like a tithe box in a cathedral and um and it was fun because i like to do i like doing hands they're a nice challenge the organic and just yeah and just a... playing with the light and stuff like that and and the flesh and so um so i did pretty good on that and then like i got i did a quite a few game of thrones ones yeah right on at least yeah, yeah that's cool that they're open to like letting you move around because i'm assuming it's also hard to find like quality artists who can meet a deadline because i remember talking with jason he said that being deadline driven is one of the biggest parts of this, right? Because you don't want to be known as the guy who doesn't meet his deadlines. Right. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're looking for like, and it's hard to be like quality work, meeting deadlines and making it what they want it to be, right? For sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the main reasons that uh, I've worked with Fantasy Flight for quite a while is just I wanted to build that repertoire of like being able to hit the deadline and just getting used to that work schedule and stuff like that and it's kind of like a stepping stone for me like to get into bigger jobs I kind of felt like it must give you some decent notoriety too right like it's even to the point where like I've heard now at magic conventions like there's a wing where it's like here meet the hall of famers but now they have a wing where you can go and meet like the artists of the past right and then like you can go get your black lotus signed by the guy who drew it and stuff like that so like it's nice to see that like the gaming industry's artists are getting kind of recognized too and you can build a name off of it from what i've noticed right like for sure yeah um i think like i would probably run into a lot of fans at like gen con something like that but if i go to like fan expo or something like that, it's it's a little more diluted like it's not as focused you know, like there's not many gps for fantasy flight stuff like there are tournaments but like nothing local that i know of like small things sometimes at comic readers but i think they're not like the fan base isn't as into it as you'd think like is it that or do they not pump the competitive nature of it either like to me magic has always been like the hyper competitive like and that's kind of what almost drove like i stopped going to friday night magics because it was like show up with your a game or just why right like you're gonna show up and lose five times and have no fun right and um because I noticed, like, because I like a lot of their properties, right? Like, I own tons of them. And it's just, like, like X-Wing I have a ton of fun with. And um, I noticed they're revamping it, too, mm. right away. Um, and just kind of overhauling the whole game system. But, like, 
there are like videos on YouTube and Fantasy Flight has his own channel with like world championships. Right. Yeah. But like, it doesn't seem to like. I don't know if. I don't know if they're just happy with it having like good sales and having a good core community and then they don't have to push for competitiveness or Yeah, well I guess that's their their limit for competitiveness at this point. They do have those tournaments. Um but that's as far as it goes like in terms of th- that one dimension. Like there's not really the same um different facets a fan can go down with like compared to magic where like you can be really into the art and like altering the cards and i don't think people are doing that kind of stuff with for, with x-wing right um yeah. they're not like there's ship modding i know that much or oh yeah there might be some stuff. yeah like some of that stuff going on but it's not as i don't know if it's as big right like there's yeah. not as many facets i think to the to the fan base maybe because yeah. it's still pretty new right so it doesn't yeah, have but, that backing as much right and it yeah and i guess it's surprising to a point too like just because, like, when I moved here 20-whatever years ago, the first thing I did was seek out a comic store, right? Because I'm from a small town, and I was like, I would like to be able to buy Batman on a monthly basis, right? And mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, just, I feel like board gaming in general has just been growing and growing and growing and growing. And it's to the point where, like, the casual person, I think, now does know what, like, Settlers is or Ticket to Ride is. And... Um, I feel like Fantasy Flight is kind of the forerunner on stuff like that. And they're really good for getting properties. Like, I can't think of anyone else that has, like, a Star Wars game in any way, right? Like, mm-hmm, And they have true. two yeah. card games, like you said. Like, there's Destiny, which has the dice and the cards. There's just the boxed card games. And I noticed, mm-hmm. like you said, you did the art. I'm assuming for, like, the Game of Thrones card game. like, And they had the Lord of the Rings. And, like, they seem like they sell really well. Yeah. Um... I don't know, like I like it's it's kind of one of those things where we're we're also in a pretty small town, so it's hard to see the larger impact of it. Um, I think it is they are pretty popular in in like the states, especially I think in in bigger cities, but like it's kind of hard to see like um, the impact of it in Regina. Like X Wing's pretty popular and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess maybe I'm in there too much, but I feel like there's a pretty solid board gaming community. And then there's like the thing at Boston Pizza in the North End every Tuesday. And then there's a couple different like almost like factions of guys (laughs) that have like like the Bixby thing um, where Mm -hmm. he has his thing. And then there's um, what's the one that's at the the center over here every few months? There's Prairie Game Expo. Expo, It's like I don't know. It feels like there's a pretty solid board gaming community for sure yeah um what's it like seeing people playing with like stuff you've made um well to be honest like um so i'll see people playing with the product itself but not maybe not my cards ever ever like i'll go walk around and i'll check out the x-wing games but i i maybe see like a ship that i would have worked on that product but i don't know if like the cards like in their deck or like how it works i haven't like really seen anybody interact with like a piece of my own at this point so it's kind of kind of funny like I, I haven't seen a lot of the card games being played okay. just the x-wing stuff and so i don't really know yeah i haven't really seen it but like it's pretty cool like i like uh i was working one evening at the comic readers and we were handing out promos that people won for like an x-wing little like mini mini tournament that we hosted and um <clears throat> I did one of the promos and like I was just like yeah that's pretty cool like that I actually got to hand it out to 
the winners and stuff like that as well. Like, that was kind of cool. Feeling. That's right on. Yeah. Um, aside from Fantasy Flight, has have you ever like touched base or with any other companies or? Um, yeah, I've, I've had a few meetings with. Um, Cause that's what I know you for, like, because I've seen you post your Fantasy Flight and Star Wars stuff, so I haven't really seen any of the other. Right. Yeah. So I, I have worked on like different um, industries, I guess, but um, in terms of like gaming stuff, uh, recently I have had a few meetings with magic art directors and i'm kind of in the process of fine-tuning my portfolio to get fully like accepted so that's kind of my work in progress right now is just kind of updating my portfolio to get to that next level because they are like on a different level i i would say in terms of art like they're very selective because they have like a lot of artists trying to get into that position right i guess the competition would be pretty yeah it's pretty competitive yeah and they do have a lot of openings like they have they're making more and more products now than they ever have to the point where there's a lot of people like some players are complaining about like product burnout there's just too many saturation yeah for them to buy and stuff you know and and some people do feel obligated to buy everything to a certain degree you know or not even if not everything like a good portion of it and that's still a lot but uh some people can afford it some people can't but it but it's it's good for the artists because that means there's more art being commissioned right so yeah, because what are they down to now? Is it four sets a year plus whatever masters too, right? Like that yeah. was a big... And and then there's kind of the supplemental draft sets like Conspiracy or Battlebond added onto it. And then there's like all the uh, anthologies from the vaults, those kind of things. Are they still doing commander sets too? Yeah, I think they're announcing some of the commander spoilers in like early July or like mid-July, I think pretty soon here so yeah it's gonna be pretty interesting to see what they do with that yeah it's every once in a while i kind of like peek my head in and see like there was the set with what is it like dinosaurs and pirates or something right ixalan yeah yeah and that really i was like that's kind of a cool mix and i almost got back into it then right but like i watch but i don't like i have um i remember what is who owns them hasbro yeah i guess hasbro at some point they were like they saw what blizzard was doing with Hearthstone and they're like why aren't we on this train considering they're pretty much as far as I know the first kind of competitive card game there ever was right mm-hmm. and so now um, I can't remember what it's called but it's in a, in beta right now and it's like a more vibrant graphic version of Magic right oh yeah right uh, Magic Arena Arena yeah, yeah like I got the beta and I was yeah. tinkering around with it and it's like they kind of do need to get to that next digital level i think also Mm -hmm. right like how old is the magic online platform that's running right now yeah it's pretty old i'd say it's it's got to be from like the late 90s or like early 2000s maybe and i get it's probably like easy to code and like slap the pictures in there and stuff but like i think that was half the battle though was like just updating new sets because there's certain cards that would like bug the system every i guess some card interactions are very like I came in at a later point like um, who's the judge from around here Fergus I don't know if you know him I don't know Um, but they would bring him in for some of the bigger stuff and he would be like the tier whatever judge for Saskatchewan Mm -hmm. but the way he described it is there was even like to me it's like there's like what is it seven phases to a turn right Right. like you up what is it draw upkeep 
first main phase, combat, second main phase, end phase, and you're done, right? And he said there used to be way more, like... Yeah, there's, there's like, minutia steps. There's, like, pre-combat, like, there's, like, damage step, or, as well, I think, something like that, and there's, there's a lot, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, because the Blizzard game is, like, I would say it's, like, 25% as difficult as Magic, mm-hmm. so, like, I don't know if they're ever going to be able to be that mainstream and keep it because it is complicated right like right and you do have to be intelligent to a point to succeed at it. and it was more challenging but i i don't know like and everyone's getting on the bandwagon now too right like elder scrolls has their own collectible card game but it's 100 percent digital only right right and then some of the um there's some magic hall of famers like Luis Scott Vargas and some of them, they created their own game called eternal card game. So like there's so much out there now, like, yeah, I think like with magic, um, they have to try their best to do like their version of digital card game. And it has to mimic like the traditional card game as close as possible, but it'll never replace, I think the the feeling or like the, the minutia that you can get in with, physical paper and in, in interactions because um like there just has to be so many details implemented that it, it kind of gets clunky and that's kind of how um the original magic online game was like it, you could do all those things like every things were simplified enough um like uh you don't have to shuffle and things like that like things were simplified <clears throat> in that sense but like every step you could stop on and every yeah. thing you had to click through and and you decide where the stops yeah, are yeah but it wasn't make, very right? pretty looking you know and it like having all those buttons and stuff like that didn't really look good so that's kind of they're trying to find that balance like how do you attract those new players and that wider audience that like hearthstone is taking yeah. up while still trying to get that older thing so i think they're yeah they have their work cut out for them that's for sure yeah because there's so many now like it's crazy and i'm surprised like I can't think of another like paper product that has even like come close to rivaling them. Like mm-hmm. Pokemon's been around, but I think it kind of like has its ups and downs in fat and popularity. Um, how does the new um, is it Final Fantasy? Yeah. Final how does Fantasy. that one do for sales? Or is um, it... pretty good. Like I don't, I haven't heard of like too many people like their about their like play experiences, but it was definitely selling a lot for one during like one period i haven't seen it sell as much lately but um there's also like dragon ball z card game which s- sells quite a bit as well and those um get drafted quite a bit on the weekends so okay yeah, is so. that the i've noticed other things going on back there and there i couldn't remember if it was because there's another one what is it vanguard yeah vanguard card fight vanguard. Yeah, yeah like there's so many now and i can't keep up with it and i even remember like um 10 15 years ago um there was verses, mm. but it, like I know that they've really because Upper Deck I think always wanted to be a player in this game, mm-hmm. like and make the card game money right, and like they did verses like in the early two thousands and it died, and I noticed like I think I have it sitting around here somewhere. Mm. Like they made a run at it now, but like they've moved to the living card game model, right? And yeah. do you think that's more of a viable like? And I know Fantasy Flight that's is Fantasy also Flight, yeah. big on like you don't have to buy blind boosters anymore and i'm a big fan of that too right like you buy something you get it all like hmm. yeah like i don't know if i have any preference either way I, I i think i do 
prefer the magic like tradable card game with the um the randomized boosters because there's more surprise and like there's more it's there's more excitement the feeling that. of and christmas like, <laughs> yeah like the product opening whereas like i guess it, it's different strokes for different folks because like you might want to just get the thing and be done and that's it's almost like buying a board game you yeah. know and then getting expansions to it and that's cool and that's great and you're gonna save money probably doing that but uh it's nice to get like get yeah. all these random weird cards and, and kind of like yeah magical christmas kind of openings and stuff like that i guess yeah but how many stacks of like the commons yeah <laughs> um or do you think the living card game is more up the completionist alley and it's just like they get everything it's done there's no exactly like, i think so yeah like it's like you, and i get what you said about like opening boosters it's fun right because you're like what am i going to get especially at the end of friday night magic you'll get however many packs for winning you open them up you hope you get something cool right or even when you just buy a few um but weighing against like getting everything right it's but i'm like but i guess like you can kind of go down that route with uh magic if you just buy the singles and stuff again like and that's kind of what i try to do if there's like a only a couple cards that a set that i'm interested in to add to my commander deck i'll just only get those couple cards when they're at a good price or something like that are you pretty loyal to a specific color as time goes on or have you or do you switch it up as power kind of moves with sets yeah um quite always drawn to like golgari uh green black i kind of like just like the idea of it like life and death and sacrifice and kind of reusing and repurposing things and uh kind of uh having your creatures grow big with like counters but also like having to make other people sacrifice things and you gain benefits from that i kind of just like that um style but i've also toyed around with like milling like black and blue combination um because i like the idea of just those alternate win cons and trying to mill the person out of their library and stuff like that and maybe trying to reanimate their things and stuff like that I'm always, I've always been kind of drawn to the black side, that's for sure. Whether it's a mix with another color or not. Yeah, I'm the same way. And like a lot of it is also like we were talked earlier, the art, hey? Mm. And like some of the black art is to me is like super cool, right? Because then you get like your zombies and just your more horrific things, right? And like that's the kind of art that I enjoy, right? Like mm. where red would like whatever right and blue is always like the magic or the flying creatures or like wizards and stuff the wizards and stuff and that never really appealed to me but like yeah it's true like um and i think that's why i like especially during cons i really enjoyed obzon oh yeah yeah because that was black green and white right and Mm -hmm. to me those are the colors that i enjoyed too like i also enjoyed white for like it would have a lot of like knights and very valorous people and stuff weird that i enjoy black and white right but like yeah but then that would have a lot of really good like zombie decks too like right i I quite enjoy um black and white combination as well like i like the i think it's the same thing with um with the other ones where like if you're taking stuff from them like with the black you're taking life with the white or you're you're taking some of their life and getting some life in return and so i like really liked orzov in ravnica so i'm looking forward to that coming back in the next Oh really? Sense. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I so. haven't looked at anything in a little while. I just remember that the the pirates thing kind of. Yeah. No. Yeah, they're returning to Ravnica. Um, I, f- I forget exactly what the dates are, but they're. I think they have two sets announced. Um, two standalone sets, but they're. 
they're going to kind of piggyback maybe some mechanics, but they're going to be like full sets that are separated somehow. I think the story may, may tie in, but something like that. I, I forget exactly the details. How are they doing their stuff now? Because like, I remember they used to do the three block, mm-hmm. like the block of three and then the core set. Mm-hmm. And then they did away with that to make it like two of each, right? Twice a year. But I see there's a core set back now. So like, yeah, yeah. how are they breaking down like... Or do they not care about things fitting within a calendar year anymore? Like, um, so I th- yeah, I think they are going to single set blocks, pretty much. Like not not really blocks; they're just large sets. Um, and they're they're trying to go a, a balance between like revisiting a location and going to a brand new location. Um, but they're also willing to give themselves freedom. Like for example, now they're going to Ravnica twice, um, but they're going to try to make sure that they're distinct enough the two sets that are back to back because part of the problem they had with like the blocks is that you'd have these middle sets or these second sets that were kind of trying to fit in with the first set and kind of got redundant or boring um, when they started introducing um, the same mechanics that went over or maybe like stuff that was supposed to go together with those other mechanics and their people just weren't as interested in the second sets maybe they were um because they were meant to be drafted together, so they had to go together. But these ones are going to be standalone, I believe. And so, okay. And, yeah, because I remember, like, by the time you would get to the third set out of a block, people had kind of lost interest. And it would be, like, a hundred and some cards and new ones, right? Yeah. Like, um, I can't remember what the third one was in the last Ravnica set. But, yeah, like, they usually didn't. And even in Theros, it was nothing special. Like, by the time you got to the third one, people were already, like speculating or wanting to go to the next one right right so. yeah yeah so i'm a little concerned to see like what the reception will be of staying in the same spot even though maybe like it'll feel like a new set um from one to the other but like mechanically and, and, and it'll be a large set and it'll be drafted by itself from one to the other but will the location still become like mundane after like from moving to one set to the other and not leaving ravnica are you big on the lore um, I don't like read the stories, but I try to pick up what I can here and there from just like uh, word of mouth or the art or like or online like advertisements or streams like people talking about it on streams or YouTubes and stuff like. So I I'm pretty into it, but I'm not like fully into like who did what when kind of thing like that. I don't know the whole like Urza story <laughs> down packed, but I I like I know tidbits. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, what got you into it first then like so like was it just to play the card game or like was there a specific draw that brought you into it or um yeah it was definitely the art um so I had a neighbor when I was living in Winnipeg um as a kid uh from five to ten I was living there and there's an older kid across the street that was into like magic cards and like Doctor Who and all these cool things so he kind of introduced me to a lot of things and like I really didn't know how to play, but I just loved collecting them and, like, reading the weird, like, flavor text, like, on the goblins and all the different things like that. And um, that was, like, I don't even know what blocks were out at that time, like, um, but it was probably, like, yeah, like, um, mid-90s, so I'd probably be, like, Ice Age and different things like that, like, just after Alpha Beta. Oh, wow. Like, after that stuff, like... I don't know if I had any of those cards. I couldn't find my old cards because I got out. I got out of it when I kind of uh, grew into grew into my like my early teens and stuff like that. Kind of 
you know, just shifted my interest. Like, yeah. got different friends <clears throat> and stuff like that. So because when I moved back to Regina, um, and I still actually like collected a little bit of magic then, but it's slowly kind of. There's no like I had no background or like anybody else to sort of play with really. So it kind of just faded away. But then um, when my interest in art kind of got uh, rejuvenated, I guess. Like I was always drawing and always um, intrigued with like fantasy stuff, um, even though I wasn't really going deep into those games or anything. I was always intrigued by like the movies and monsters and stuff like that. Um, but later on in high school, I found a website called conceptart.org and they it was all these like amazing artists that did all the movie monsters and like video game concept art and different things like this. They're all posting their process and their sketchbooks and kind of made uh, made it obvious that like these were real people making these like amazing like masterpieces and like they were all like the best of the best and they were all like encouraging each other to get better and like the sort of noobs on the forums to get better as well. And there it was it was just like a it was an explosion of sharing information. And so I, I found that around 2005 and that kind of got me really inspired and just like kind of like I knew exactly that this was like a career that I could do and that I probably should do like in terms of that's my passion, right? Like that it really like it was kind of a background passion, maybe a hobby before that. Um, and this and around the same time, some of these artists were also working on the magic sets that were coming out. And I kind of like would get like what products they were working on. Like I would see like, oh, this is for Wizards of the Coast, blah, blah, blah. But I would be more interested in the art. And I never really got into the cards again until after I got out of college. Because I was I, when, when I went through college, I was really getting pulled in different directions of like what kind of art I wanted to do. Like I was interested in landscape painting, like figurative art, um, like skateboard design. Like I was kind of just exploring everything. I think that was kind of the point of college for me and for a lot of artists is kind of trying to see like where you fit in and what you want to do but I was always kind of drawn to that creatures and and fantasy stuff so um like I mentioned before when I got together with a group of friends and we went to that AluxCon convention I think that's when it solidified me it's like okay I want to do magic art I want to do like all these games I want to do illustrations that you spend days and days on just rendering out and making it look as awesome as you can right and so that's when I was like well maybe I should learn more about the product that I want to work for and so I got a little into it then kind of dived into it and started playing it and then it became more of a hobby as well like now I just didn't want to do art for it I was actually into the game and playing it so right on yeah and that's so cool because like when I sat down with Jason because he's doing cartoons and his stuff and like we sit down and when I asked him I'm like what got you into it it's so nice to hear because for him it's like your traditional superhero stuff right like right. Mm-hmm. and it's nice to hear like yours is a completely different avenue right like and just all those different like mediums and themes that you can go to right like mm-hmm. um, if you could dictate like if you could get to a point where you dictate what you're working on every day like what medium what you're doing and drawing what would it be uh that's a good point that's something i'm still uh or do you like still putting like your hand in a different pot every day and kind of i feel like i've been on that route of um putting my hand in a different pot every day like for 
sort of like the early part of my career and I'm trying to shift into a more focused now um, of what I want to do like and it's I think I always kind of had a background idea of like where I would fit myself like this is exactly what I want to do kind of thing like there's a there's always that idea in the back of my mind um, and I believe it would be like creatures and monsters maybe done in oil paint and stuff like that uh, but that's not currently what I'm doing like it's it's kind of a weird thing where it's um, a lot of like my career decisions are we're trying to build a portfolio and trying to just you get these nice like little opportunities and trying to explore those things um, so you kind of take breaks from that path and I'm trying to like meander myself back into that now I'm trying to take a break and work on my portfolio trying to get back to that but there's kind of this like um, thing in the back of my mind as well is like am I still the same person I was like five years ago like in terms of my interests like yeah because you evolve as a person and, and your art evolves too so I'm still always trying to find like what it is exactly that I want to do I know generally like what I like and what I dislike but but it's it's a weird balance yeah and, and you can kind of get stuck on a treadmill of um, taking on these jobs and, and let that almost guides you yeah like I was saying before like I, I was kind of getting stuck with the um, not stuck but like kind of getting used to getting the spaceships and the, the guns and stuff like that and that was kind of, I feel like that was taking me away from doing maybe more personalized um, commissions or like getting sought out for exactly what I specialize in did you overwhelm yourself with too much maybe like so yeah. like it would be like blaster blaster ship blaster and then all of a sudden you really hadn't even thought about your own stuff for a while or definitely like you get you get, you get a little comfortable and it's like I guess there's the challenge aspect and like the trying to just keep working and kind of just keep that flow going because you kind of as a professional that's it, it feels like that's what defines you as a professional that you keep working <laughs> And so it's like you kind of get on that treadmill and it's it's hard to get off like and uh, definitely a good idea to get off that treadmill and and take a break and, and kind of recollect. But sometimes the instant you do that, some other uh, email comes in from something completely different. You're like, oh, I want to try that as well. So like I've done like movie stuff and TV commercials and and uh, music albums and they're all great. Like I, I loved doing those different experiences. But yeah, there comes a time where it's like, well, what kind of art would I do for myself if I wasn't doing any of these jobs? Like, you kind of have to go back to the basics yeah. a little bit. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. What takes the longest from start to finish? Because when we were talking just now, I remember seeing you had posted you did a backdrop for something. Mm. And um, I think that was... And um, like, what is the start to end time on something like this? Like, like I'm assuming they're like, they'll send like you don't get full creative control over like what a blaster looks like i'm assuming like i'm assuming they have archive upon archive of like all the, the history of star wars but like from them sitting down or sending you the email saying like hey we need this blaster how long does it take you to kind of like get that final like polished product right so um i'll probably take like a good portion of a day like maybe half a day like doing research like finding my references because I'm generally they'll give you kind of like um, if there's a question of like which direction to go with references they'll give you like a hint like okay like follow this version and not like that version kind of thing but I'll try to find like the, as much references as I can just gathering it like 
to find all the angles. So if I want to do something specific, I have it on hand, right? So I'll then I'll explore like thumbnail drawings, which are just like studying the composition and trying to figure out like a good concept of like how I want to portray this. Um, so that'll take a good portion of a day. Um, then I'll go probably refine those sketches just a little bit to make them presentable, send them out, wait for approval. Maybe I'm working on something else in between that, like waiting for approval. And um, and then from there, I'll probably do like a finalized drawing, depending on how comfortable I am just jumping into the painting. Like if I feel like it's more a technical piece and I got to really like nail down the perspective and like get all the proportions just right because maybe in the rough sketch it was just generalized so then that might take me depending on what the pieces could take me a day to an extra day to like finish that final line drawing if it if it's really technical and needs to be solved out because then it'll make the painting process a lot easier because everything's figured out in that stage but if it's something more organic that I can I feel like I can just tackle and dive into the painting I'll I'll just dive into it and that might take me um, depending on the complexity of the piece it could take um, anywhere from like a few days till to like a week but I often don't like spend a whole time like a whole week on a painting yeah. but but if I were to probably do a piece for myself like it would probably take that long it would take a lot longer because I'm probably pushing it a lot further it's usually like how much time do I have left to finish yeah the pieces for the deadline so it's usually within like for a fantasy flight thing it's a day or two of painting and then the and then the pre um, research and sketching before that too. Is there a lot of back and forth on like approving what an image looks like, um, or are they pretty open to like what you have when you first initially present it to them? Yeah, like they try to solve as much as they can in the sketch phase. Um, if or or we do as a team, I guess. Um, but so they'll bring up any issues they have then, and if there's any concerns, sometimes it's just like, um please proceed with this in mind and show me like a work in progress or like it's not often like okay I need to see the next stage before I can approve like it might be like that with different employers but you kind of get this um repertoire with them where it's like they trust that you will take their advice and like take it to final with that in mind so it's like you kind of it's a give and take like if it was a new client then they might want to see like more steps like if they had more problems with it they might want to see me fix something before I move on. Okay. But with, yeah, it, it kind of got with Fantasy Flight where they were just like, yeah, pay attention to this and just finish the piece. <laughs> Any kind of thing like that. So, Deadline's coming. Yeah. And usually, like, I would send them, like, uh, multiple, like, thumbnail ideas. So that kind of cuts a lot of that, too. So you it, give them almost, like, a catalog of, like, I could do this, this, or this with this blaster. Or like, yeah. How exactly. do, you, do you want the ship swooping in or sitting in, like... Yeah, exactly. So, and you want those to be quite different because if you show just like the same thing, just slightly different, then it's like, you're not really doing much with that, like that early stage where you're, you have as much room to explore as possible when you're really trying to find that best version, right? So you want to change, you want to do things drastically different from one version to the other. So I might try a lot of things that get um, thrown in the garbage basically and I just like take the best like three or the best two sometimes there's like one that's like the clear winner but you want to show them the other stuff anyways just in case yeah just in case so are there times where they like pick one and you're kind of shocked um not too often I think they get a good sense of like which one is the one that you're 
feeling like works the most too. <laughs> like that you can just kind of tell like what's working and what, what isn't working. Um, I mean, sometimes you get a balance between like it's hard to choose. And then if there is that balance, then you're not really shocked because that's like they're so close but yeah often like they're really good at spotting like which which one's the better one and what they need and stuff like that um because it's, it's also like having another set of eyes right so yeah they're trained to pick out like what what they think will work best so have they ever like picked one but told you we like this other one also maybe for some future project sit on it or yes um but that future project sometimes doesn't come up like has never come up yeah so like I did uh, some Lord of the Rings stuff and um, I forget exactly what the name of the character was but um, it was like one of those uh, like hooded dark the the Reavers or like the guys the that ring wraiths yeah the ring wraiths okay um, <clears throat> so they commissioned I forget exactly what they commissioned me for though it was like in the description it was like a different a slightly different version of one of those like a specific one and then uh there was a mistake and they had to shift me to a different one so i just they were like save that if we ever commission you for this thing but adjust it slightly to do this guy a little bit differently so that's cool yeah it was more of like a a king of like the ring race like it wasn't like the it wasn't like sauron or anything but it was like it was something else i forget and that was the piece that we ended up doing i just forget the name of it cool um how much of what you do is like pencil and paper and how much of it is like digital like do you sketch scan and then like use digital for inking and coloring or like at what point do you kind of switch digital right yeah so um i go through phases like i was a big fan of doing it all in pencil and solving that stuff like i'll definitely do all my thumbnails um pencil and paper just easier faster to move around and then sometimes I would clean up a drawing and then scan that cleaned up drawing, even if it's like a slightly, like still a rough drawing. It's not like a very clean line drawing, but um, I'll take that into Photoshop and then maybe I'll tweak it a bit and then send the roughs like like that. Um, I might even work on the values, which is basically like the general light and dark shapes digitally because it's like so easy to like select something and like throw it in there or maybe just like do really quick uh paint brush strokes and have the sketch layer kind of floating over top of it and have it transparent on top so it's really easy to show what the painting could look like digitally um but it's it's funner to explore on paper and pencil for me so and then maybe i'll I'll even sometimes like in the past it's kind of what kind of mood i'm in because sometimes i'll do that digital thumbnail process like like kind of finish the thumbnails digitally but then if I want to go clean up the drawing I might even go back to pencil and paper and then scan that in it still kind of just feels more right to do it all yeah. by hand then or it does but like more recently I was going all digital sometimes like that I can do that too and sometimes that's more comfortable it kind of depends what mood I'm in yeah um but at the beginning I thought that like I couldn't do it like I was comfortable to that natural for that natural feeling it was just like I needed that pencil and paper but now there was there was times where it's like I would rather just sketch something and like stretch it in real time online and like and uh flip it around and rotate it and have these different elements like yeah yeah, it's like it's kind of like how do I want it like what kind of sandbox do I want to play in today kind of like you know so what kind of tools do I want to use so I did shift him doing this sketches more digitally. Um, 
I guess when you're on a time frame too, it kind of removes some of the tediousness or yeah and it's like I can I found that like if when I'm thumbnailing on paper and pencil I'll there's a lot of stuff where I'm just like scribbling around and, and you kind of like just move on and kind of just do these little things there might be like an inkling that you want to use but you have kind of have to restart and it doesn't take too long to restart you're doing them like a couple minutes maybe max right um, for these little sketches maybe less and um but if you're doing it digitally, you're like, okay, I'm going to just lasso this element, take it here, transform it, and now it's like a totally different thumbnail. Like, if there's that one thing you liked, you just kind of bring it over and, and reuse it, or maybe, and just, yeah, you can you can transform it a lot quicker than it is to just redraw it. Like, it's, it's the same thought process, but it's just working about the problem a different way, I guess. Different okay. tools, yeah. Um, do you, I take it you have, like, the full tablet and everything, like, all that stuff, um, yeah. How long does it take to kind of get used to it? Like, because I'm assuming you trained yourself or at least grew up probably with mostly like pencils and drawing and stuff like that. Like, does it take a bit of retraining of yourself and like your hand to eye to kind of get used to like using on a digital medium or? A little bit, yeah. It was like, so I got my first tablet in um, roughly like 2005. So I've been working with like digital medium for quite a while. Um, my first pieces were done with like mouse and, and stuff like, like a mouse. Oh, wow. yeah. And that was a different beast, but I also didn't know what I was doing either. Like I didn't know how to paint. So there was a lot of problems with that. But like, um, but the first tablet that I had was more like, um, the tablet itself wasn't a screen. Nowadays, a lot of the tablets, um, are the screen itself. Like oh, you're wow. drawing right on the screen. What were right? the, there was, was it Wacom? Wacom? Wacom. Yeah. Wacom. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's the first one that I got. It was Intuos 2. And, um, yeah, you had your hands separated from the screen. And that's actually kind of nice. Like, there is there is a little disconnect at first. It took me... Because you're hard not to say, drawing where you're putting yeah, down. Yeah, and your eyes are up and you're kind of doing that thing. And, like, so you're not directly looking at what you're drawing. And it was kind of weird at the beginning. I can't really get a sense of, like, how long it was weird. But I've heard recently that it took some people about a month to get used to it. And that sounds about accurate. But um, the interesting thing is that... Um, slowly over time they did start making these models called the Cintiq which are like the high-end ones that people use now it's still made by Wacom just a different model name and um, those are the screens that you're actually drawing on it's the whole tablets built into into the screen right so those are really really nice but the first complaints that I heard from some of my peers were that their hand was in the way now <laughs> and and like because they're they're digital painting they're not painting with You've come full circle yeah and so it's like they're when they're digital painting they don't want their hand in the way like it's just that's they've got so used to that and so yeah it's kind of funny a, i've never thought of it that way yeah you went from like drawing your hand is there right but you're drawing around your hands in the way to going to drawing but your attention is over here right on a monitor yeah and then yeah you think it would be a luxury all of a sudden you're drawing on the screen again yeah yeah because like the one where it was um you weren't when you weren't drawing on the screen um the intuos the early one you it, it just become like a extension of your arm like it you get so used to it um but then yeah like the same people that were complaining that their hand was now in the way on the new models they there was a lot more freedom to like the tactile nature of it like you, it was going back to the pencil and paper so like there was there's a give and take of things just getting used to it it's just like takes a few weeks maybe getting used to things that's kind of funny though that like 
you're back to the beginning, right? Your hands in the way of what you're trying to draw. Yeah. Um, is that so? You're because I know I've seen a lot of like McFarlane. He does those like I'm going to draw Venom in like 55 seconds, and he's using a complete digital medium, right? Right. Like, I don't know. It always looks so weird to me because like because I'm like older and I'm used to like you draw, <laughs> you grab the eraser, you're erasing instead of having a tool, right? Like, mm-hmm. how long does it take you to get like because you have to pick pretty much like how big is your line how big is like like I don't know how long does it take you to get like comfortable that you're just flying in the digital medium oh that's a good question um I, I don't know how it's because like I've been doing it for quite a while now right so it's it's hard to say like how long that transition would take um oh yeah like because me in like something as simple as Microsoft Paint is an horrible experience right because mm-hmm. i'm like because there's all the different lines and that's the bare bones like sad little drawing program right and it's like when you're picking your line size or your eraser size or fill like it's just the clunkiest thing yeah. right like so so i think the the biggest thing is just learning the shortcuts in photoshop and getting really used to that because you have your your opposite drawing hand so you're like for me my left hand is not my drawing hand so i'll have that on the keyboard and I'll have like I'll just be going through shortcuts like I'll be hitting B for brush and E for eraser and then like um, square brackets for brush size and so it's like I can change things so fast and like so an onlooker like I've had comments where I've done like live painting things and people would be like what like how are you doing that so fast you're just like switching from this to this and like sometimes I'll be hanging out with some artist buddies that maybe don't digital paint as much as me and they do they know how to digital paint but they're not doing it as much as me and they're doing like maybe oil painting or something like that and I'll they'll always be like asking asking me like what's the shortcut for this or like or I'll kind of like be seeing them work and I'm like yeah there's a faster way of doing that like (laughs) this is how you do it like it'll save you so like it's just like over and there's so many things that I don't know about Photoshop as well like you kind of get used to your patterns and your the way you like to do things but there's like a million ways to go about doing the same thing like there's lots of crazy things you can do but it's sometimes it's just tricks and flares and like things like that but and it just kind of at the end of the day it's your drawing abilities and your painting abilities that really will carry your piece forward so if you have like are you're proficient with those technical skills of drawing painting that's what's going to speed you up the most really how is, big is that is, problem solving yeah how big is being able to work in layers uh, it's a pretty big deal um it it um it's different for a lot of artists a lot of artists really dislike it and they find it really liberating to flatten their image oh, maybe really? like maybe they'll work with layers and then they get to a certain point and they're like no i'm gonna flatten it and then maybe they'll build the layers a little bit um people treat them like very differently like how they go about doing their layers some people will almost treat layers as a um history like thing so like they'll be working away then they'll start a new layer on top of it and they're not really discriminating from like figure foreground type stuff with the layers they're just painting on top and painting on top and and doing that in layers so if they want to like kind of go back they can kind of like turn things off and on or like or kind of see what it looks like with this or that kind of turn it off and on and um that's one way of going about it and then there's ways of like really separating everything out and having like your figure on one layer your background on another layer and your like smoke effect on another thing and then like your shading on another layer for the 
for the figure and then you're shading for the background is that more of a control thing then or yeah it's more of a control thing um it's really easy to edit things and and do like that like that kind of stuff um that's the route that i've taken over the years um because i developed this technique where it's very common for like comic artists as well to sort of create isolated shapes like like i was saying foreground background type stuff and then there's a function in photoshop where you can lock the transparency of that layer so everything that i didn't fill in on that specific layer won't get painted on if i go into shade so it it locks that contour and it's it's almost like you don't have to color in the lines anymore you're just color coloring outside of the lines and it doesn't affect the outside of the figure um and that's really easy for like doing like lighting effects and and things like that and shadows because you just go in there and just just yeah it's like working with a stencil essentially that's in, cool. In real world. So do the people things. who are against the layers, is it just because they believe it's like a canvas, right? Like you make your background and you live with it, right? You yeah. don't you yeah. don't take that step back and start fiddling with the background after you've already done whatever, right? Well, exactly, yeah. They might fiddle with the background in the sense um, that they, they could still fix things and change things, but they're not... Um, they're... They, yeah, they don't need... To rely on the layers like yeah they're treating it more like a traditional painting and it's more liberating a little bit in the sense that like they don't have like some people get lost in all the layers like even if you if it's somewhat organized it takes time to organize that and then you're kind of like bound to like keeping things clean like because you've put in so much time to making all these layers separate that it kind of limits some um adjustments that you could make um uh, to a certain degree like uh because you want to keep that those layers intact and there's certain things that you can do but it just makes it more cumbersome because you're trying to like edit all the layers now or you're trying to do this and that you can kind of flatten certain things but if you just flatten the whole painting and just and that's what you're going with like you're doing a more oil painting kind of aspect and it's it's kind of uh back to the basics and you're it's a little more challenging, a little more freeing, and a little more simple. There must be a point where you hit a certain amount of layers and there's a diminished return to it, right? Like, oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. you got to have them, like, simplified, that's for sure, and, like, have a purpose for them. And I kind of fall in the camp of, like, ordered chaos <laughs> to the point where I get to a certain point where, like, okay, this painting's far enough, let's flatten flatten this aspect, let's flatten that and just, like, finish it. Let's just live yeah. with what we have. So I'm, right? I'm kind of, like, in the middle. Like, I... I start with like a lot of layers and like they're like very specific and I, I build it up that way because um, it's easier to build up that way and then once I want to like for example get into um, painting edges and stuff like that like so some things might have a crisper or softer edge um, along the contour or within the cont- contour of a figure or something like that um, it's a lot easier to do that on a flat image because you're you can mess around with the pixels that are butting up against the background in the figures contour and stuff like that and um you can mess around with that with layers on like with as many layers as you want but it's once again it's it's like simplifying it to a flat oil painting at that point and and oil painting is is the probably the true medium where you get to mess around with edges as much as you want because it's never drying right so yeah so it's kind of like it gets back to that nature as well and so that's kind of the finishing touches for a painting when I'm working on it is just trying to make it so it's not so crisp and comic booky and trying to really integrate 
the figure into the background and everything, different elements and letting things bleed into different things and stuff like that. So, so starting it off with that really crisp um, silhouette um, really has a really fake look to it that eventually I want to flatten down and get yeah. away from that. Yeah. And there's certain brush brushes that help me with that too, that are actually mimicking like oil paint and stuff like that. Like the more bristly brushes. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, do you think there'll ever be a point where everything will be a hundred percent digital? Like what percentage of the stuff, like say that comes through fantasy flight is never, ever like the product of like pen and paper, pencil and paper. Um, or will we ever get to a point where it'll just be a hundred percent digital? No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe certain genres and, um, and like, uh, different media yeah like for example games yeah like i could it's already like that with concept art for example like that concept art is mostly all digital art um that's kind of where that's what's driven digital art to be honest like illustration definitely um uses digital art quite a bit but what illustrators are almost more driven to do traditional paintings because that bleeds through and makes it more um more rich sometimes right just makes them look more vibrant but for concept art it's just all about getting that thing getting the idea down out right like they used to do them traditionally but what's the point now because it's like it's all about speed right so that will forever and always probably stay in the digital thing but um it's it's kind of a question of like does the industry does it benefit you to have a physical copy that's like a one of a kind thing i guess for magic cards that's a big deal because um, you can now go on eBay and sell that original painting for a lot of money. Now, a lot of artists are doing magic arts digitally because it's easier to get some of those effects that, um, like some magic effects done um, in a digital fashion. But like sometimes that can get borderline cheesy, like because you're you might be using some like techniques. a rippling water effect or just some yeah, or even just glow techniques that like oh, okay. you couldn't necessarily. Um, and it's not all bad, like when when you do that but like sometimes it can if it's handled poorly it can look amateurish or just overly digital which isn't necessarily amateurish but it kind of um a lot of people don't like that look as well like it's kind of there's some divide in the fan base but um yeah i don't especially with like magic stuff like the collectible collectible ability of like original pieces and original art i don't think the original art will ever go away yeah. And, and there's probably going to be a shift back to original art as much as possible um, because if, if the style kind of permits, right? Yeah. So that's kind of what I was getting back to before is like it's a lot easier to do things that are more realistic digitally because you're able to, um, you're not, if, if an artist isn't as like finely tuned with their traditional medium, they're not fighting the surface as much and they're able to go in and, and really make things as, edit things as much as they can and to make it as photorealistic as possible they can use photo manipulation like they can take pictures of a tree and and uh fit that in there and paint over it a little bit okay. so some artists will do that that actually stems from the concept industry and the film industry like matte paintings um, okay the background paintings that people will use photos and just um edit them in and then paint like aspects that they can't like uh, find in a picture they need to invent things and stuff so pretty much like i want it like this but i also want this, yeah, this this. it'll be like five images stitched together. They'll there'll be like New Zealand with like, like I don't know, like something from their backyard or maybe not. Yeah, but you know, something like it'll just be everything that they can put in there. 
well everything that they need to put in there to make it work as realistically as fast as they can yeah um i guess we never really started at your beginnings like um how old were you when you decided that like drawing was your thing yeah it's a good question um so let's see i definitely um yeah so i always like think about when i was living in winnipeg probably um i want to say grade three around there like I was, I was probably drawing before that and like doing all that kind of stuff right as as kids do but i do distinctly remember around that time that there was a few kids in my class that were like the best artists in the class kind of right everyone has those kids in their class and uh they were just amazing like they were drawing like spider-man like it was like when todd mcfarland was doing spider-man and all that kind okay. of stuff right and then, like everyone was like doing spawn and stuff like that and um i was really i was really intrigued by that like i was really enjoying it and I was maybe a little jealous or maybe like not jealous but like I was like oh I want to do that I want to, I wish I was that good right and that was when I was getting into the magic cards as well right when I was first seeing those so and I was really into comic book art at that time too and I, I still really enjoy comic book art um but it's not something I've pursued as much so I kind of took that and that inspiration maybe not like literally like I wasn't like okay I'm gonna be the best I can be but I, I was like just doing it on my own and, and kind of like watching them as they got their praise and just kind of seeing what they were doing and yeah when I I do distinctly remember when I moved back to Regina and in grade five I was the best artist in my class and that was kind of like a like a slight ego boost or kind of like a, a reassurance that I was like oh okay maybe I did learn something or maybe I can do this or something and I do remember like my parents saying at some point that like that one of my drawings was really good it was it wasn't like one of those comments that you usually get you know your mom's always like says your drawings a, are good but they were nice, like darling but they were like wow that's actually pretty good like one of those like they were like you could tell they were generally surprised like surprised right genuinely at least so so i was like okay well yeah that's cool and then like i kind of would do like school projects and always make them like art focused and like like do illustrated like um front pages to like short stories or, or things like that or, or, or like papers and stuff like that so um i would get good good feedback on that and then i started going to the neil balkwell center and took classes there and excelled at that and that just it just kind of snowballed and um went into high school and i kind of took the first like grade nine art class um but that was they were kind of dividing all your art classes up so it was like sort of like wood shop art computer stuff and like you were kind of weren't all in the art class but they were trying to put you around in different places and um after I finished with that like going into grade 10 I didn't really I didn't continue with art like I was doing it on the side for myself but I wasn't doing it in class as much like I, I wasn't taking the art electives or whatever yeah that you could take um but then like I found that concept art and I was like yeah this is this is awesome like I'm doing this full time so I think that was like grade 11 going into grade 12 maybe and then i went into advanced placement art class um for grade 12 and that was awesome that was a good experience yeah um <clears throat> what would be your big point and i know i asked jason this too like if someone's young and they start feeling it's their passion now it's it is a different age now with digital and all this stuff what would be a like what's the best path to kind of like hone your craft now like mm. um yeah, there's different. So there's a lot to of different things like I could find say about that, success yeah. and not kind of get deterred, right? 
oh to keep up like to yeah, keep like, uh focused and not get discouraged and stuff yeah like, like yeah it's well um yeah to not really i guess you kind of have to have to detach yourself from your art and realize that like you you have to sort of compare yourself a little bit to the quality that you want to go for but you also have to have a good state of mind that's like you're it's going to take you thousands and thousands of drawings to get to that spot and to just keep moving just it's it's more about the production than it is about like that piece you just did it's about like doing something and then putting it aside and doing the next thing and getting that rhythm going yeah that's the most important thing is doing it like every day um especially at the beginning like you want to there comes to a point where you probably want to do as many hours of the day as you can and just go deep into it and you might burn out for a bit and that's totally fine just for a little bit and test yourself push yourself um do that for a little bit and then you kind of have to decide for yourself like do you want to get really really good fast or do you want to kind of pace it out because it doesn't suit everybody to go like just full on full time some people can do that and some people can't but it, it is good to do it early on so this is kind of now i'm kind of leading more into the beginning like your serious student age is maybe leading into career at this point right um so like at that stage yeah i would i would say if you want to get as good as you can fast get your foot in the door then maybe tone it back a little bit like have your fundamentals like try to draw as much as you can like every day and put it put in the hours at least professionally but it then becomes about work balance because now you're doing it for a career and burnout's not okay like in a career yeah you know so so that i think it's okay at the beginning to kind of do that but it it's important uh it really tests you like do you want to do this full time when you're going through those early burnout stages and I think it's something you have to go through to a certain degree and um, I think that the conceptart.org website that I found like back in high school really promoted that like just like do or die draw or die kind of mentality which I'm kind of promoting like in those early years right now like in this talk but um, I think they went too deep on that I think if you focus too much on that that's a bad thing so that's it's really about gauging like how much like you want to do that for how long because I think it's an important stint to do because it there's really a formative time where like you're so passionate and you need to do that like to really push yourself especially if you if you want to because once you're out of school and you're done with that you're competing with all the best artists right yeah so <clears throat> um when you went off the first time to kind of like here I have a portfolio I'm like 100% confident with it and went to show the professionals like you said you talked with all the different gaming companies and all that um did you get the sense that you were just right or did you feel like maybe i could have done this a little sooner or like were you really comfortable with the path that you kind of like the timing of everything hmm. um i don't think i've ever been super ecstatic about my portfolio when going into show it like like you want to like make it seem like you are to a certain degree you know and be confident and stuff like that but i always felt like man if i could just finish that one extra piece in time before the thing like there's always like something that's like missing i'm unsatisfied with my portfolio when i'm going into it but um yeah it's like finding that balance between uh studying and and kind of improving my craft and creating portfolio pieces at that stage was always uh 
a tough balance and like kind of experimenting because you get to a certain point where you, yeah you should just maybe you should just focus on your portfolio and get that done in time but I was always sort of like experimenting with this and doing that and then do my portfolio pieces and doing them last minute and getting them in and just doing the best I could that way but uh, so maybe not the best focus in that sense but yeah no and that's and like the old saying is you only score if you take the shot right like, yeah and just to get the confidence up to go on this road trip and like put yourself out there and then to get the positive feedback and this great career that you have now right like mm. it's I think it's beyond cool like just Regina is not the biggest place in the world and we're kind of in the middle of Canada right and just to have like we have some pretty notable artists right like right, yeah. you have this awesome gig with fantasy flight that will probably branch out into like like you said there's magic is kind of the shining beacon out there for like collectible card game and stuff like that just mm-hmm. to get your art noticed and stuff like that and like look at jason he's like a best-selling author right and right. stuff like that it's just i think it's super cool and it's like you guys are in a fantastic age where like you have that online community now where like 30 years ago there was no online community you were just sitting there with pen and paper and trying to draw and it's just um it's a really cool time right like mm-hmm. um and i'm glad you made time for me like i know how busy you are constantly and like same thing like trying to pin down jason i think i have him coming back and it's been six months since i've sat and chowdered with him the first oh, time right yeah. um I'm pinning him down as like my 500th download celebration. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Because <laughs> he was the first one, right? So now I'm bringing him back. And it's just, and also just putting yourself out there, right? Like you had to take that leap and put yourself out there. And that's kind of like what I'm trying to do with this, right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't know if one single person aside from relatives <laughs> would like, okay, let's listen to what he's up to, right? But it's like, you do have to take that leap of faith. And it's like, I love seeing success and I love, be like I'm friends with successful people and it's I just think it's really cool right like Mm -hmm. so I appreciate you making the time um I try to keep things like hour and a half ish so and it's great to learn about people right like I know I've sat down with you in the comic store where we played the world longest game of magic right (laughs) yeah three hour marathon a couple weeks ago so I completely appreciate it and um thanks for coming out yeah thanks for having me on this is awesome um do you have like I guess what's like do you have like online stuff that people can check out like websites or anything that you want to promote right, yeah um, so well my website is my name joelhustack.com um, uh, without the my name at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I also like that actually needs to be updated pretty soon but maybe by the time this gets out maybe it'll be updated but so my most current stuff is always posted up on Instagram which again is joelhustack is my take for that and I mind all the kind of social media things sometimes I'm fluctuating between which ones I prefer more <laughs> but yeah right on and what are all the products you've worked on like you said you did with Fantasy Flight you had Lord of the Rings um, mm-hmm. Star Wars yeah Game of Thrones um, I did a I did one piece for like a Warhammer card game um, and also like for like the music stuff that I was doing like I did the album artwork for Strumbellas, which is a really big Canadian band. They uh, like they sent me a platinum record, gold record for some of the album artwork that I was I helped them out with. So that's pretty awesome. Right How many on. artists have gold records like in their 
house. I don't know. <laughs> See, that's, Anyways, that's super cool. Yeah, not to brag or anything. Humble <laughs> brag, maybe, but... Feel free. No, yeah. it's awesome. Um, right on. And thanks for coming out. Thanks.